Hey, how are you? It's good to have you here. This is Kitchen Table Spirituality, a weekly devotional. I'm here with the alert, the alive, the awake Pastor Charlie Eastman of Pilgrim Congregational Church in Southborough, Massachusetts. And I am here with the easily distracted but always fun Jonathan Malone, pastor of First Baptist Church in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. You were waiting for me to say more, but I didn't have more I found this pen, though, and I want to talk about this pen. Squirrel! Can, yeah. <laughs> Can I say more about the pen? I, I think we'll, that's another episode. Okay. The we'll episode on pens. Yeah, the pen. The pens. Pens. Episode. The pens. Episode. Oh, but yeah, you use a. Uh, uh, what kind of you? You what kind of pen do you use, Charlie? You have a. I currently favor a. Actually, I'm I'm on a jet stream now. Oh, okay. I used to be doing Fisher Space pens for right. the longest time, but I got into a bunch of clumping situations, and I'm uh. I'm not happy with the quality of the ink lately. Also, the pens. I I favor the brass one, and it's. Oh, never mind. Do you see what I did? <laughs> Let's not talk about pens. That that is literally a whole other podcast. There are many other podcasts about pens. I'm I sure there not. are. I've heard them. You've oh okay. I'm, I yeah. I'm not ready to go into that universe. Mm-hmm. So how, happy Easter! Happy Easter to you, my friend. Thank Christ you. is risen. Risen indeed. Amen. Yeah. And I so how, tell me how how are things at Southboro um, Pilgrim they, Congregational? How was Easter? It Give me all glorious. the details. Yeah, so the details are we had a we had a lovely Maundy Thursday service, mm. intimate on Zoom with the deacons and myself. We did a webinar style Zoom meeting. Mm-hmm. So people just saw us as presenters. Right. Um, we had about 36 attend, which I thought oh, was fantastic. That's great. Yeah, really. Th- that's the thing about Zoom. Your numbers start creeping up mm-hmm. when you provide that kind of, that level of access. Uh, at the end, I sang the a cappella. Were you there? Nice. Which it was an interesting. I didn't tell them this, but it was an interesting confluence of traditions. I have sung that many times on at Monday Thursday services, and they had a previous pastor who sang it at theirs. Oh wow! But they kept telling me you don't have to do this just because that individual did it or or what have you. And right. I said no, no, no. I'm doing it because I think it's lovely, and um, and so it was fun. Oh, that's um, great. We did some hammering of the nails at the yep. very end and descent into darkness. Mm. Um, Good Friday, we had the debut of a lovely piece that our interim minister of music, Andrus Madsen, put together, mm-hmm. which was also a tenebrae, because as he informed me, tenebrae historically in the liturgical churches was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. There were wow. tenebrae's every day. Wow. So he he presented one using a gorgeous setting of harpsichord and cello and oh. a, a soloist, a soprano soloist. Um, it was really pretty. I got to do the readings interspersed. Yeah. And it, it features, of course, the center point is the Sanchez setting of the Stabat Mater. Oh, which was nice. a piece of music I wasn't as familiar with, and now I know a lot better. Mm-hmm. Really lovely. Nice. So I recommend that to you. It's on our YouTube channel. Pilgrim oh, good. Southboro. You can nice. watch it anytime you need a top off. A top off. Easter Sunday, there were uh, sunrise services available to people, but we did not hold one. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could could have gone to other churches for those. Um, and some people, a few people did. Mm-hmm. Um, others focused on spending time with family in the morning. Um, you can go either path, choose your own adventure. Uh, we had two services, 10 and 11.30. Oh, good. And that was lovely. Uh, we were full at both services, outdoors, not Fantastic. Indoors. 
Yeah. Um, but it was a really special time to see everybody again and to, to mm. say the words and do the thing in person, which I've been missing. Yeah. As many yeah. others have. And great weather, too. The weather was gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. It's really pretty. Fantastic. So tell me, and then I took a personal day on Monday, which yeah. is not something I've done uh, historically, but this year, for some reason, I needed it. Good. I'm glad you did that. Tell me about First Baptist. We had a a similar kind of rhythm. Uh, We had a a lovely Monday-Thursday service that we pre-recorded and put on YouTube and then did a premiere watch, and and that was really nice. And it was interesting. Uh, On Sundays, the comments are great. There were no comments at this service, and I Mm. think that was appropriate because it had that more somber feel. And and what do you you say? You shouldn't say anything. Just let it happen. Sure. So that was that was really nice. And in Good Friday, we did a we had a noontime walk throughout East Greenwich with some other churches, and that was nice. And nice. then an, an evening service on Zoom, which was also nice. Saturday, we kind of stayed quiet. And then Sunday, sunrise service. I was there at six a.m. at the beach uh, with some, with some of the Methodists and maybe some others that showed up. I don't know, but it was it was a nice it was a very nice service. It was a great sunrise uh, and just a great way to start start the day. And then we had our one nine thirty service, and it was, it was nice to be able to uh, get together. We it was full. We had people had to reserve spots ahead of time, so mm-hmm. um, it everyone the reservations filled up, uh, which I'm I was thrilled for. We had some lovely Amen. music and handbells and um, duets sung from a distance apart from each other and brass an- instruments. You know, so. Nice. It was, yeah, and it was it was good, and it ended with a rousing rendition of the Hallelujah chorus. Oh, nice! Which is yeah, which I know is is more of an East uh, Christmas. No, that's an Easter oratorio. Yeah, so back off, musicologist. That's back right. off. You heard them breathing down your neck. I did. And I'm like, wait a second. Um, so yeah, so and I also took Monday uh, yesterday off. I that's a tradition of mine. Uh, that I think I, it'll be a tradition of mine, barring any emergencies. Obviously, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we we give everything, and I just couldn't imagine going to work. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I was glad to take that day. Um, and this Sunday, this upcoming Sunday, for those who are listening, uh, the Reverend Nancy Forstum is going to be preaching. Uh, so I'm really, she always brings a great message, and thrilled for that. Wonderful. And I don't have any other news. No Bible study this week, but by the time this goes out, that'll have, that opportunity would have passed anyways. So There you go. See? Yeah. Done and dusted. Done and dusted. So throughout it all, Jonathan, mm-hmm. throughout it all, what did you wear on your feet? Um, what was your Holy Week footwear of choice? My Holy Week footwear of choice. I've been wearing sneakers. Ah. I know, to church. So, um, Except for Sundays. And then I have these motorcycle boots that I wear. Oh, nice. Yeah, they're very comfortable. Um, I don't like dress shoes. I just don't like dress shoes. I don't know why. It's okay. Yeah. But they're black. It's a new day. Yeah, you don't you don't have to wear you don't have to wear they, fancy. They go with the suit, but yeah, that's nice. But otherwise, yeah, I've been wearing just sneakers, black running shoes. How about yourself? Did you? Uh, well, do before you... we get to what I'm wearing, what, how much did you pay for them, Jonathan? Oh, for those running? Well, I do all my shopping at DSW. Oh, okay. So, um, and so I, probably seven hundred, eight hundred dollars, two thousand, maybe a little less, because I always go oh. to the clearance area first and oh, see what's been marked down. <laughs> and oh my! Like, yeah, if I could, so hopefully, <laughs> Good no. Thing I wasn't with you. Yeah. Oh my! 
<laughs> I'm not even sure how to interpret that. Um, Do you even know how much you paid for these, uh, these shoes or sneakers? Probably 30, 40 bucks. Ah, okay. I mean, the clearance and, and maybe for the boots, because I don't think those were clearance, maybe $80 at most. That gets to the crux of it, I guess. Yeah. So let's, uh, this is our segue. Segue. Preachers with sneakers. Preachers, preachers and sneakers. Sneakers. And th- these are the preachers you can't trust because they're always sneaking around. Exactly. They're sneaky preachers. No, I mean, they're preachers you can't trust for other reasons. Oh. Oh, did I say that out loud? I think, uh, well, let's not bury the lead there, Charlie. Let's get right yeah. to it. Tell, tell oh. me about your footwear. Uh, my footwear, I, I typically wear, I have two different shoe options. One is a pair of black Clarks that I got on uh, at the at the outlets, oh, good. Uh, $49. Excellent. Felt, felt like I stretched a little bit for that one, but felt good. <laughs> and uh, then I also have a pair of Merrells that I wear when the weather is really bad. Now, those were $100. They're, well, not, they're not cheap, but my Merrells wear very slowly. Yes. So I have a pair of Merrells, and I've had them yeah. for uh, years if now. You're, if you're buying footwear to go into the outdoors, into the wilderness, into more of a rough terrain, but you don't want to overspend – Mm-hmm. Merrells or Keens are great brands there to look go. at. Keen too, yeah. 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 No. Good stuff. Yeah, you could spend more if you want. And- Absolutely. And and the, that's part of what we're here to talk about, but not yeah. everything. Um, I did a uh, blog post that, that got us to talking about how this might be a topic for us. Um, and it was it it was about the preachers and sneakers, mm-hmm. um, basically Instagram account. Now, as it turns out, it seems like this account was created by somebody who was preparing to write a book. Ah. So their book is now in production. Uh, I don't know that it's out yet, and I don't know the name of the author. But it, basically, he or she, and I believe it's a he, set up mm-hmm. an account to show pictures of the footwear of megachurch pastors. Yeah. And the reason he did this was because he noticed that, my goodness, why, why am I seeing a pastor that's wearing Givenchy, Givenchy? I don't even know how to say it, um, I, sneakers. Which I didn't even know that's you, a kind of sneaker. Sure. Well, it's a, it's a designer. And, and oh. designers, uh, for instance, the Givenchy Spectre leather running sneakers are $750. Wow. New, off would the you, rack. Would you run in those? You actually would run in them because you want the world to know that you are a person of taste and quality when you're running. Um, are they the best running sneakers for a marathon or what have you? I don't know. I doubt I don't it. Know anything about that? I doubt um, it. But they do have the word Givenchy displayed prominently across them with some interesting leather accents. Okay. Um, but that wasn't the crux of the matter. In right. fact, he's showing pictures of preachers with the kind of sneakers that are born out of the active sneaker culture, which is a group of folks who go to conventions Mm -hmm. the way people go to comic conventions or gun conventions or whatever. And, and these are sneakers that are like limited edition Nike air Jordan that were only made for three months of a particular year. And they cost $3,000. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what they call themselves. $3,000. Sneaker heads. I believe sneakerheads might be a part of the parlance. Okay, yeah. And my response to this existence of this account was, well, these are kind of straw men, um, and and mo- of course men, they're men. Mm. Um, 
but they they bring up different questions for me than just what they spend on their shoes, which yeah. is ridiculous. And I'm I'm sorry, if you're a sneaker collector, I I don't know. Go with God. Do what do yeah, you do it's, you, it's a, and it's that's a hobby. your it's that's a your thing. It's a hobby. There, as as many in that world will say, there are other things I could spend my money on that you would like even less, and I resonate with that. Um, but. But the idea for a pastor in particular mm. to be dressed in that kind of lavish manner sets it sets you up. Mm-hmm. It really sets you up. And it got me to thinking, how do we dress and what messages are we trying to convey? And what does that mean in church? Mm. Because I for many years I've I've wrestled with this. I did jeans but not sneakers in church and no robe, didn't robe or wear any vestments for about 10 years yeah. while I was at Franklin Federated. And that, that felt right mm-hmm. for our time there and for me where I was at. But now I, I've decided to, to vest. Now I wear a robe every It's almost Sunday. a cassock, isn't it? That you wear? It, it actually is a cassock. Yeah. Oh, good, good looking out. Yeah. Um, I do wear a cassock with a stole. It looks great. And that great. feels right to me. Um, because I think we lose something of the office when we decide to, to lose the robe that for me has been important lately. Mm. And I've also heard this a lot from my female colleagues in Mm -hmm. ministry. A lot of the women that I work with are using clerical collars now. Yeah. Yeah. And not, not Catholic women, not Episcopal priests or Lutheran priests, but, but Protestant. Yeah. Clergy yeah. are using both tabbed collars and round collars. Yeah. And the first time I saw it, I was really taken aback. Like, why would you do that? Especially as a cradle Baptist. Right. Not that there is such a thing. But growing up in a Baptist church as I did, I, right. I thought that's that's not right. We're not supposed to front <laughs> that way and present that. That's not authentic to who we are. But I, I had a couple take aside conversations where women have looked me in the eye and said, Do you know how hard? Mm-hmm. It has been for us to receive the, and even today, right, right. the respect and authority due our office and anything that helps us. Now, I'm not speaking for all women, and every woman has her own reason for why she puts on a clerical collar. Right. But this particular individual, twice, um, two different individuals told me that for them it related to that idea of pastoral authority, to yeah. the holiness of the priesthood. Oh, yeah. And I've heard that from other of my own uh, female colleagues as well, that there's so many barriers and already like this helps remove some of them, especially when going to hospitals and such, because people say, you can't be a pastor, you're a woman, which is absurd. Uh, Absurd. Um, So that helps. Uh, And I know as a man, you can walk through walls in a clerical collar. You can go anywhere in a hospital. No one says a word. Yeah. It's it's a little scary, actually. I know, right? <laughs> I've used it a couple times, especially when I go into Boston hospitals late at night. When yeah. it's, I've I've put a collar on just because I know it it allows me to, especially when they say, "Oh no, only family," like that kind of situation, mm-hmm. or I, or you say you're a minister and they say, "Are you? Do you have a, a card on you? Can I verify right. that?" Right, right, right. But you wear a collar. No one asks that if you're wearing the collar. I know that's something. So let's talk about a little bit about what we wear. Uh, Please. What yeah. do you wear? Open. Um, just a G-string and a boa. As one does. As one does. And You have a, conjured a visual image for our listeners that 
I don't think we can ever undo that. Well, and a pair of running shoes. And running shoes. Yeah. $30. $30. <laughs> $30. They were on clearance. How could you say no to that? I agree. No, um, <laughs> sorry. I didn't expect I would say that, but there it is. Sometimes we surprise ourselves. Do you wear a clerical collar, Jonathan? I, I was going to say, I come right. I, I work this night job. I wrestle on the side. I come mm. right from the evening job to the church job. I don't have time to change. It's Indeed. It's just how it is. Yeah. So your Monday, Thursdays, your evening yeah. Bible studies, yeah. you know what you're going to get. You know what you're going to get. Mm. Um, I wear, right now, during the pandemic, I relaxed a lot to mm. jeans um, and a button-down shirt. Okay. Um, before then, I was wearing a suit, uh, and I got to a place where I stopped wearing the tie, but I would wear a stole over the suit, so the jacket. Suit shirt. and stole. Yeah, suit and stole. Kind of like turtleneck and chain. Yeah, kind of like turtleneck and chain. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's how I roll. Uh-huh. So, uh, it, you know, the, what we wear, I've, thought, I've given this some thought, obviously, because on Communion Sundays, I wear a robe. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. And, so I, the tradition for Protestants is very. I know uh, we're we're strongly influenced by Calvin in this. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are. Because uh, Calvin said you should wear your working clothes, <clears throat> and mm-hmm. for Calvin, a lawyer, his working clothes was a Geneva gown. Yeah, uh, which is what you see pastors wearing today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we kind of forgot about what he said. We're just doing what he did. Uh, yeah, right. Heaven forbid we update things. Sure. Um, you know, so so those Protestants that say like, well, we, you know, now it becomes more formal. I think there's is something to say we should wear our working clothes because we're just one of the people. Mm-hmm. I think that's where Calvin is coming from. Uh, so even wearing a suit kind of has that sense, although there is now separation of those who can afford to own a suit. Yep. Or that's those right. Have that sense. On the other hand, we represent more than just ourselves. When we're up there. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and so the robe helps um, awaken this, this awareness that something more is happening when you're, sit, mm-hmm. when you're officiating at the table or you're preaching or even reading scripture, doing all the stuff up there. You're like, this is, well, it's still, you know, it's, it's Pastor Charlie, but Pastor Charlie brings this awareness of the divine. Not mm-hmm. that Charlie's divine. We know you're not. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Please never stop saying it. <laughs> but but your call brings you to this place in the relationship with the congregation that says that helps them say God is present in this moment. Yeah. And so I could see where the robe really helps that. It takes the distraction away. Um, mm-hmm. And then one more thing, and then I'll, I'll stop. If I know with with the female colleagues as well, not only with the with the collar, but the robe can help because uh, you know I have I have four suits, and I just I would wear a different one each week. I have a tie for each liturgical season. Mm. That's all I got to think about. Maybe a diff- couple nice. different shirts. Uh, yeah. For for women, the whole ensemble it has there's there's a lot more thought that needs to go in. There's people judge differently, and it's not okay. I'm not justifying mm-hmm. this. So just to wear the robe takes away that you know extra like hurdle you have to jump over. I've heard choir members speak about this as well. Oh, yeah. People who, oh, we shouldn't wear robes, or yes, we should wear robes. And often, surprisingly, on the yes, we should wear robes side is, frankly, I don't want to dress up to come to church. Hmm. But when I'm in the choir, I feel like I should look nicer because I'm in front of the congregation. And so the robe allows me to come as I am and not have to worry so much, male and female. 
Um, can I just jump in to say we are speaking very much like classic cisgender males. Thank you. Um, yeah. Please, Jonathan and I do know that there are there is a spectrum of gender mm-hmm. that encompasses many different spirits and individuals, and so our our comments could apply if we'd had this conversation. Uh, to someone transgendered or anti-gender or, or what, wherever you are in the spectrum. So um, just as we're not speaking for all women, we are not speaking for all men, and right. we are not speaking for anyone on the range between those two artificial poles. And, and, and frankly, Charlie, I don't even know if I'm speaking for myself. Well, some days, you know. Yeah. I, know I will be. say this. If, if anything, the one thing I would say is definitely not appropriate in church under any circumstances. Mm-hmm. Is that T-shirt from the Stone Temple t- Pilots tour that you got? Yeah, you may not wear a Stone Temple Pilots T-shirt. Oh boy! See, we all have our lines in the sand. Yeah, our Rubicons just, that's, cannot cross. It's not okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so here's the thing: What are those mega church pastors trying to say when they take to the mm. stage in jeans and concert T-shirts? Or designer what is, T-shirts. What is the message? Are they saying this is my working clothes? And maybe, maybe they, are, maybe it's a Calvin thing. Maybe they're wearing. I don't talk to these people. Right. Maybe they're wearing what they work all weekend into the pulpit, and so that feels more authentic to them. But I'll, I'll tip my hand. I'm not. I'm very anti-Calvin. I'm not a Calvinist. And yet you wear a robe. I do. Well, for my own reasons. <laughs> um, Calvin to me is is an arbiter of of certain tastes and movements in theology that hold very little water. And mm. if you are a devout Calvinist, you can write in and we can have debates and all the rest. But I'm not not interested in Calvin much at all. Um, his his comments are adjacent to the way I wear the robe. It, For wow, me, is that why you, I mean, I have this big poster of Calvin behind me. Is that why you just keep averting your gaze every I don't time? Look at the, I don't look into the... You know, I, did, I, I will move the poster. If you just said that earlier, Charlie, I would have removed the poster. And there are there are pastors with posters of Calvin in their office, although Jonathan's not one. Um, so here's the thing: I, for me, we have lost so much hmm. of what makes time hmm. special and ornate mm-hmm. that for me, the pandemic actually drove me back into the idea of wearing the robe more often. Because we have lost so much of what feels holy and powerful in this distancing and this isolating that for me to don the robe says, now we are together and this is truly special. Oh, that's interesting. Truly special. Yeah. So I don't want to miss a chance. Now that doesn't mean I have to be in a robe to make things truly special, but it does mean I have to have a sharp delineation Mm -hmm. towards how I walk into worship. Yeah. Because although my entire week is spent with God, this is the moment where I, that I spend with God, with you, in a way that we want to focus together really, really um, clearly. So, uh, so yeah. go ahead. A, a term that scholars use is sacramental consciousness mm. or well, sacramental imagination. Right. Yeah, and it is this – it's something Catholics really get, and they get mm-hmm. fast, and, and it comes out of a lot of Catholic scholarship. But with Protestants, I think there is this awareness that – especially when you're in the space and you're with each other and a, a traditional or contemporary service, there is a sense that this time is different. Mm-hmm. And that's what I hear you doing, saying like, I'm aware of that and aware of the corporate nature in which collectively we, we are in a different time here and now. 
I think that's fantastic. That's that's what I'm trying to. That's the season I'm in. Yeah, it doesn't mean this is where I'm always going to be, but it it feels right for me right now. Um, and I I don't I, I just need I need things to feel more special when they're going to be special. Mm-hmm. But but jumping back to our straw men and the these guys who are dressing this way, mm-hmm. they they belie what they're doing. They're trying to the message they're trying to send. I think truly is I'm one of you. I'm one of the people. Right. I'm just like you. But they belie it when they then at the bottom. You know they've got okay whatever uh, maybe a fifty dollar t shirt and maybe a hundred dollar pair of jeans. Jeez. But then you get down to the yeah I know me neither. But then you get down <laughs> to the sneakers and they cost three thousand dollars. So you you belie the message that you are purporting to send. You are not of the people. You are special. You are set aside. Your congregation loves you, and they lavish gifts on you. A number of these pastors in their defense said, oh, well, I I didn't buy those $3,000 sneakers. They were a gift. Someone gave them to me, which is a whole other topic. Right. Ministers receiving gifts from congregants. Um, That is a – I hate this phrase – but it is a slippery slope. Darn and here it. I am eating some pastries that were given to me as a gift from a member of the congregation. Okay. So there's gifts and there's gifts. I'm, I'm throwing it out. I'm I'm throwing it out right now, Charlie. There's <laughs> gifts and there's gifts. No, Will the no, gift influence? It's there it is. Oh, oh my goodness. Gone. You know yeah, what? I, <laughs> to heck with it all. <laughs> no. Uh, no, I think you're right, and I think it's just, it is this interesting dichotomy of, of saying. I want to be, I'm one of you. So that's like we wear the designer t-shirts, we wear the designer jeans and say like, look, and I'm hip, I'm cool, I'm one of you. I'm not. I'm hip, yeah, that, no, you're yeah. not. I'm not your stuffy pastor. I'm not that guy. I'm one of you, except I'm still better than you because I've got the nicest clothes. Mm-hmm. So I'm one of you, but better than you because mm-hmm. I, I, get the, I get the good gifts. I'm one of you, but better than you. So let's remember that distinction. I, that's what I read into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not it, the message I would want to send. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. I yeah. don't know why they, they think they're not sending it. But, I, again, I think we're back to that moment of right. where everybody's the hero of their own story. Everybody thinks they are the exception. Mm. Um, everybody wow. thinks, you know, because, I don't know, because I do it, it doesn't yeah. <laughs> I would say, if nothing else, be deliberate in what you wear. For pastors, for all the pastors that listen to this, and I know there's droves. This is, I think, I think Charlie that uh, some seminaries are assigning this as part of their coursework to listen hmm. to our our podcast on a weekly well, why basis. Why wouldn't it be? I know, right? Please. I mean, <laughs> we're two average white guys who've been doing this for a bit and think we have something to say. That's a podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Be deliberate in what you're wearing, and and have yeah. some kind of theological grounding. But I think also for our parishioners. Be deliberate in what you're wearing. It, it doesn't right. stop. I mean, so folks who, who feel like they should get dressed up for church, good on you. Yeah, by all means, and, get and dressed it, up. Yeah, and it may be because you feel Enjoy like this it. is a different time. This mm-hmm. is uh, Those who don't get dressed up for church because they, want to, they don't want that to become a barrier in their worship experience, good on you. That's right. Yep. The church needs to be open to receive all the people just as they are, right? With whatever freight they carry, even those mega church pastors and their mm-hmm. 
150 in their in their $150 t-shirt and $750 shoes need Jesus. Yeah. Desperately. It, it, I think the hardest thing then is during the pastoral prayer, when the pastor's going on and on and you're supposed to have your head bowed and eyes closed, mm-hmm. you don't start thinking in critical ways about what the person in front or behind or across from you is wearing. You don't say, yep. I don't believe they came to church with a Stone Temple Pilots t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which, I, that, again, again, not okay. Not okay in Jonathan's church. Any church. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Any church okay. at all. Uh, fa- church, church shouldn't be a fashion show because, right. because you're fashion. Church should be right. a fashion show at those funny moments when we all show up wearing something that we're proud yeah. of because we want to treat each other to this moment of specialness. Yeah. Um, or, or conversely, church should be the place where we come because we are just, we barely got out of bed and made it. Yeah. And so whatever we grabbed was what we had and we came anyway and praise God for that moment too. And we celebrate that. You did it. You made it. Make it as special as you can for the reasons you need to whenever you can. Right. However, give yourself the pass when you need it to. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. I'll tell you, if, if I think we could end right there. Try that was, but I want to just put a little coda on there. Please do, please do. I love Easter bonnets, (laughs) (laughs) and I miss. Yeah, that's definitely more of a Baptist thing than a congregational thing. Yeah, well, and it's I don't know why, but growing up in Albany, there were a lot of Easter bonnets on Sunday and and Easter Mm -hmm. Sunday, and not so much here in Rhode Island. And I I don't know what that's about. Um, yeah, if, there if, were times we had them at Union Baptist Church in Mystic when I was a kid. There were certain people that would bring them. Yeah. Um, I saw, wow, I saw a, a slew of them at um, Union Baptist Church in Cambridge. Oh, uh, okay. Which is a historical black church yeah, in Cambridge. Yeah. And uh, what a glorious congregation and worship style. Mm. I'm, well, it's been a few years since I've been there, but it is um, it is passionate and powerful. And wow, the bonnets. Yeah. Wow, the bonnets. In fact, you don't have to go on Easter to see some amazing finery on display. I will tell you this. uh, Years ago at the church I'm at now, I said something about, like, I miss the Easter bonnets, and the women all conspired against me (laughs) so that maybe Mother's Day or a Sunday a month later, everyone wore a a hat of some kind. It was fantastic. That's sweet. Yeah, including newspaper hats folded. Oh, fun. Yeah. That was, See, that was, that's, that was a, that's living into it, making it special without yeah. having to spend a grand. Lovely. Yeah, yeah. So that's... Anyway, so yeah, people, wear what you need to be deliberate, be, make space for others. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if the way that you express yourself is spending hundreds of dollars on shoes, because I know they're, that's men and women both, that, that's, a, that's, that's right. important for them, great. That's good. We can talk more another episode about, you know, if that becomes all-encompassing in your life, then that if sure. it becomes an addiction, then we've sure. got we got to talk about stuff. But yeah, good topic, Charlie. Well, thank you. You're the one that called it out, I believe. I might have. Yeah, I think you did. I think okay. you said we should talk about it. I but I guess I wrote the blog. Post you did write the blog. So I'm the giving you part. take. I'm all giving right, you eighty-seven percent of the credit. I, I appreciate that, yeah. and I, I relinquish the 13 that is due you. That's some quick math there. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're going uh, to pray, as we do, because yeah. we are in a devotional time. Yeah. Um, I have brought a—it's a piece of poetry by Henry David Thoreau, of course. When you're talking about materialism and, and excess, 
Thoreau is a good right. voice to, to lean on. And, and also, because we're a New England podcast, we are mandated to mention Thoreau at least once a quarter. Mandated. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah. So I get it. I know he's a white man of, of a certain economic strata and whatever else. But um, we we try to draw from many different sources. That's right. Uh, and today it's going to be Henry David Thoreau. So right. I hope this this touches folks in a in a special way. Looking forward to it. Let's pray. All right. So let us pray. God bless uh, our efforts on your behalf and help us to help others to see you a little better week over week, uh, however that is for us. For some of us, it's going to be uh, how we present ourselves and the smile we offer when smiles are allowed again uh, under our masks. Um, Lord, give us a sense of, of the specialness of our time together in your name, but also help us to remember to always welcome those who arrive with the kids in tow, just barely making it for worship hour uh, in whatever finery they're able to present. Help us to remember it's all good and acceptable. God, we're so thankful for the resurrection of your son, and we continue Mm. to live in that celebration. Help us to celebrate as authentically as we can, to show our joy, um, our devotion, and our openness to your presence in our lives as authentically as we can. And help us, as, as Charlie said, to make space for others to be in relationship with you as authentically as they can. And now this is I Am a Parcel of Vain Strivings Tied by Henry David Thoreau. I am a parcel of vain strivings tied by a chance bond together, dangling this way and that. Their links were made so loose and wide, methinks, for milder weather. A bunch of violets without their roots and sorrel intermixed and circled by a wisp of straw once coiled about their shoots, the law by which I'm fixed. A nosegay which time clutched from out those fair Elysian fields with weeds and broken stems in haste doth make the rabble rout that waste the day he yields. And here I bloom for a short hour unseen, drinking my juices up with no root in the land to keep my branches green, but stand in a bare cup. Some tender buds were left upon my stem in mimicry of life, but ah, the children will not know till time has withered them, the woe with which they're rife. But now I see I was not plucked for naught, and after in life's phase of glass set while I might survive, but by a kind hand brought alive to a strange place. That stock thus thinned will soon redeem its hours, and by another year, such as God knows, with freer air, more fruits and fairer flowers will bear, while I droop here. Amen. Amen. I'm going to have to listen to that a couple of times. Well, Thoreau is Thoreau's language. And I was lucky. I said vase instead of vase, and of course it rhymed at the end with place. Oh, good. <laughs> Unless I was supposed to say plus. No, I mean, it, it really is about... It's beautiful. Uh, it is, it is a, a personification of a small bunch of flowers, mm. but its simple beauty yeah. and its value, just as it is, is a powerful token for me yeah. in the midst of talking about how we dress up and present ourselves. So. Yeah. We want to see you. We want to see you in church, Mm. however you are. That's right. Amen to that. Well, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna work on this uh, pen that I have, this Precision V5 
rolling ball pen, the oh, pilot. Oh yes, I used I used those at one time. I think in junior high school. Oh my gosh! How could you be more demeaning? The Uniball Jetstream <laughs> folks don't. It, it, as a click pen, it's without parallel. You, Why you would really you use a click pen? Oh goodness, this is. Oh, no, 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 no! You need the cap. Okay, next week pen talk. <laughs> be well, everyone. Happy Easter, everybody. Bye. Kitchen Table Spirituality is a part of the 12 Enough Network. Your hosts were Jonathan Malone, the pastor of the First Baptist Church of East Greenwich, Rhode Island, and Charlie Eastman, the pastor of Pilgrim Congregational Church in Southboro, Massachusetts. You can send comments about this episode or other episodes to 12enough at gmail.com. 12 is written out. You can go to the show page and find the show notes for this episode and others at 12enough.com. 12 is written out. You can also follow us on Facebook at Facebook slash 12enough. Guess what? 12 is written out. Please like and rate the show on iTunes and other places where you get your podcasts. And thank you very much for listening. your holy week footwear of choice it's the g-string and a boa gone